Hey everybody, welcome back to Observations. We are here for a brand new season, a season I'm calling season two, as in too much. Is it too much? I guess we're, we're going to find out. Season two. Season one was 90 plus episodes of uh, just some great uh, discourse talk about comics because I am, as you know, and I will underscore it every time, obsessed with comics. Prior to my coming in here and talking to you all today, my wife said, it's just weird. You, your job is your passion. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of weird. You, what you're passionate about is, is, is your work. And, and I said, yeah, that's why I'm so great at it. Right. So, you know, tongue in cheek, but I do love this. I, uh, have, 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 have given this new season the same, uh, organization that I gave the first for, for months prior to me starting the original observations, I had been compiling episodes, material, kind of where I wanted to, to kind of go on this journey. And we, it far surpassed anything that I had originally planned. And, and, and now season two, I have, um, given the same sort of preparation and I'm excited. It's, uh, Oh, it's going to be so good. We have so many great things to talk about. You know, the bottom line, this podcast, if I had to boil it down, and I hope that you, you know, can 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 uh, see it this way as well as the Observations podcast. This podcast is about exploring the interconnectedness of comic books and pop culture. You know, it's it's like with uh, the, the early on in an episode called Cosmic Marvels, and I really weighed in on the fact that Kevin Feige being around my age, I think he's slightly younger than me, but given the entire film slate that Marvel is putting out, which they spent roughly a billion dollars to produce. So that's the investment they're making in the Eternals, in Shang-Chi, in the Black Widow movie. And all of that has a a Bronze Age umbrella over it. It is all taking place in in the comic books that I grew up in. And this is some 11 years into the MCU at large that, that you're, that that you're going to get Shang-Chi and, 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 uh, the master of Kung Fu saga brought to life that, that you're getting the Eternals, which again is this, this very unique and personal vision of Jack Kirby, uh, the deviants, the Eternals, the Celestials, Icarus. I mean, it, and, and, and now with an Academy award winning director, um, it's 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 nothing short of phenomenal. Black Widow touches with with Taskmaster and Red Guardian. That's all Bronze Age stuff. This is all um, Bronze Age material that we have yet to consume, but it has been made and it's ready for us. And I go, those tethers go right back to little Robbie Liefeld at the 7-Eleven, at the liquor store, at the Foodland, in the most electric time of collecting comics that I have ever experience but what I have heard from you over and over all of you um because I went out and I did some signings uh for the Deadpool 30th at, at some great stores and got to talk to so many of you and, and and the thing that really I wasn't prepared for was how many of you were talking about this podcast but that's not the point the point is in talking about the podcast you mentioned how to so many of you my peer group Todd and Jim and myself the 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 90s is your 70s and 80s. And I see it and I get it. I was part of it. And and uh, I love to dine out on everything that we achieved in that era. And so, and, and those achievements were done because you guys were engaged. 
So again, the interconnectedness of all of this just is what drives my my brain, my processing. And so, oh man, we have got so much to cover and, and today is going to be really good. I've got a couple of surprises with you, but I have been told by everyone who I put together this podcast with, I have been told repeatedly that I do not ask you guys to subscribe as much as I should. And I don't ask for you guys to give reviews as much as I should. They're like, you need to really hit home that point. You're in the podcast space. So guys, everybody on the team here has stressed to me, the subscriptions, the reviews. Uh, And so if you could help me out and jump in and subscribe and leave reviews for the podcast, it helps the podcast immensely. I I cannot appreciate it enough. I'm going to start reading um, your guys' reviews, um, a a few per show. I, I, I really appreciate you guys leaving them. I'm going to, I'm going to start here. For example, is a great review, uh, from, from my buddy, Mark Crienzo, M-A-R-C-R-I-E-N-Z-O. It says my favorite podcast. This podcast is comic book gold to anyone who loves comic books. Rob is more passionate and knowledgeable about comics than I thought humanly possible. His behind the scenes stories of his experience in the industry are straight up raw. Fantastic to listen to. Keep them coming, Rob. We intend to thank you, Mark, for this. Uh, on April 7th, uh, best comic book podcast from GT2. From GT2. I grew up reading Rob's creations, amongst others, and he's definitely one of my favorite creators. Thank you for that. However, I didn't realize a lot of what happened behind the scenes in order for these comics to become a reality. It's a great history lesson in the world of comic books, and this should be made into a TV series someday. Okay, GT2, thank you. So guys, reviews matter. Subscriptions matter. Help me out. Um, One or the other, both. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I can't believe I'm on this podcast journey. Again, as I told you, this was something that I was, um, that was born of absolute loneliness in a pandemic. And yet I have become as addicted to it as anyone. I love, absolutely love, uh, bringing these podcasts to you. So, um, honestly now, and, and, and here's where we start to really ramp it up in, in regards to what are we doing here? Season two, what is it? Well, if, if this was comic books, season two would be polybagged. It would be a brand new relaunch, a brand new relaunch um, in, in, in a polybag, uh, foil embossed, no doubt. We, we, would, we would glow in the dark. There'd be some glow in the dark, some scratch and sniff, and possibly 10 interlocking variant covers for this reboot of Observations Season 2, okay? I mean, what am I missing here? Would it come with a trading card? You know, to, to go, or maybe a game code, because that is the market that we are living in right now. Let's talk about the comic book market. The comic book market, um, even in the last month, just continues to alter and shift and change. And there are definitely some some signs that, you know, there are definitely signposts. There are guides. There are, there are, um, there, there are, you know, directions as to where everything is headed, where it's been, where it's going, where it might go. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, none of this was as crystallized in the last week via what's going on in, in today's comic book marketplace as this Batman Fortnite comic book that came out. Let me tell you, I always chat with my retailers, not the week that the books come out, but the week about the week that's coming ahead because I've got that week's books in my hands 
and I always ask my retailer whether that is Jimmy in 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 uh, Frankensons in Pomona or or uh, whether it's 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 Robert at at Torpedo Comics or the guys at TNT. These are the Orange County stores that I frequent. These guys have all been doing comic books 25, 30 years plus. So I always ask him, you know, hey, what, what's what's on the deck for next week? What's up? What should I be on the lookout for? And one week in advance, full week in advance, they each told me this Fortnite comic coming out. I'm like, really? I I, I saw that. He goes, no, no, no. There's going to be nothing like it. There is going to be nothing. Um, if you want, I can gra- hold you a copy right now. Two of the retailers told me um, because this thing is going to be the most in demand. And I said, explain it to me. Blow, you know, let me know what's going on. But before I do that, I should tell you, the reader, that if you don't have a kid who has experienced Fortnite, let me give you some background on this. Um, my Both my boys were into Fortnite two and a half years ago, uh, and that is a collegiate age son. You haven't lived until, you know, um, you're trying to get some sleep in your house, but your 18-year-old is yelling at the top of his lungs on his headset downstairs on the big screen playing you know, the Fortnite with his buddies, all his other college buddies all locked in. Hey, you get this, take this hill. We got this, use this. And, uh, occasionally I would, I would watch. I mean, I understand this is the age of gaming. This is what my kids do. Fortnite was the biggest game to hit in the longest time. Then as everything does after maybe a year or two, it was slowing down. But in the pandemic, this, this is very, uh, specific to the pandemic and the year that we just lived through, Fortnite uh, really took off. Basically, because again, my friends who have junior high kids, they are obviously all locked inside. We're, 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 we were shut down the whole nation, and so people turn more into to gaming. These kids to communicate with each other. Obviously, gaming is a great way. They still got some social, but they were playing a game. The games they were playing, for the most part, that age group was Fortnite. Marvel Comics introduced the first comic book skins. Deadpool arrived. There was a big deal. Deadpool came into the game. I have a definite skin in this game. Literally, I have a skin in this game because so many Deadpool skins were in this game. And uh, and 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 so Deadpool and eventually in the weeks to follow, Cable, Domino, they had an entire X-Force rollout. And, and I know from my friends who were telling me that their kids were all comparing. Do you have the Deadpool standard? Do you have the Deadpool gray X-Force costume? Do you have cable? Do you have all the upgrades? And here's the deal. I can tell you from an insider, from an insider who told me at Marvel, Rob, Fortnite, our, Mar- our deal with them to carry our characters and launch them and all of the skins that we sold during that time really carried us during the pandemic. It was a huge financial boon. This is Marvel. The Disney parks are shut down. The Disney yachts, the the, the travel, all of it. But the video games are 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 bringing in revenue. And 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 this is in a pandemic, where kids who maybe had been tired of you know Fortnite suddenly got an entire surge of Marvel characters: Deadpool, Cable, Domino, X Force. Very exciting. Forbidden Fruit, this R-rated movie character, or this racy combo character they knew is now running around shooting, causing craziness. So then you get star stormtroopers. The star Wars stuff was in there. And for a period, maybe it still is like that. I'm not following it as closely as I was, but my buddy sent me screenshots of, you know, of, of, of Deadpool battling the red guard and battling stormtroopers and, and battling star Wars characters all on these crazy islands of Fortnite. 
And of course, Black Panther followed and more Marvel characters followed. And now DC's in there. Well, DC does this Fortnite comic. So just so you know, Fortnite, getting the skins keeps the game engaging and fresh. And it renews interest time and again and again. With this Batman Fortnite that was released last week, you got a Harley Quinn skin. A unique Harley Quinn skin. The code to get the skin is in the comic book you're about to buy. That is I'm, I, 100% the reason these are the retailers telling me that this book became so molten, lava, scorching hot. And, uh, you know, DC to their credit, in my opinion, Harley Quinn is the third largest character in the Batman family. You got to you got to leap past Batman and Joker to get there. Maybe Harley Quinn has, maybe she's number 2. I kind of it's tough for me to put her over the Joker, definitely not putting her over Batman. But the first of this Batman Fortnite number 1 came with a skin. Now, one of my buddies who is a retailer, his they get their their books early. They were able to get that code locked in early. My buddies, junior high friends are like, "Where'd you get that?" How do you have that Harley Quinn skin? And they all, then realizing that it came from a comic, put the, put the word out to their parents. I have to have this. What, what we do as parents is we spoil our kids. I spoil my kids. Spoiled slash spoil, continuing to spoil. Um, it's all different levels, different ages. I've been in that. Get those Pokemon cards. Get those Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Get those game skins. Done all that. Um, you don't think it was my credit card buying those Deadpool skins, you know, a year ago for my son to use in Fortnite? It was. Okay. So I'm, I'm invested in this. Well, Harley Quinn's the hot skin. The word gets out in the street. You can't get this without this code in Batman Fortnite. And it creates a mad rush. Now to the retailers, my sympathy to the retailers, they did have their doors broken down burst through by a lot of moms and dads they'd never seen before who had no interest. I was told in many cases, ripped open the comic, handed it back defiantly to the retailer after paying $30 or $40 because I checked before I came on. These are still going in the $30 range one week later on eBay. If you want it, you want that code, you want this, or maybe you just want it to have it. Um, that is the going rate. It's between 20 and 30. And then what other retailers have done is look, Look, mom, look, dad, because the other subsequent issues have different game components as as uh, there's going to be weapons. And if you get all of the codes, you're going to unlock, I think, Robot Batman. If I'm wrong on that, forgive me. It's some sort of mechanized Batman. So they have kept you engaged in the entirety of this series. But it is completely based on getting these skins. Because Fortnite is a bigger game than any comic book at this moment. And that is um, without... That, that, that you, you cannot contest that. That is uh, 100% accurate. Fortnite is bigger than any comic book that is available right now. So, so people drove into these stores driving prices. And look, I don't mind that my retailer, all retailers were charging a little more for this because the people who were driving the interest in this, the people who were, again, knocking down the door were first-time buyers. Now, okay, then you go, but you want to keep them. Well, yeah, you want to keep them, but you also have something of extreme value that a first-time buyer shouldn't just get the same access to is what I was told is, is, is the predominant thinking. But if you can use that and engage them and say, look, for cover price, I'll sign you up for the next five, for the next six. And that is what I understand a lot of stores have, have engaged in. And so, so they, they, they um, made out very well on the first issue. Um, now, here's the deal. DC also told retailers in advance. So kudos to DC. They told them, we will 
take returns on this. We are so emboldened by the fact that the, the skin, the, the game code, the desire to get this comic and obtain it, obtain it is so um, severe that we will let you order whatever you want. And if you don't have them, return them to us, knowing full well, based on the heat, that the retailers who weren't really engaged in this and didn't really understand that they would absolutely be able to return these and um and 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 that they would be able to uh you know not they, they wouldn't have the, the, these these you know they wouldn't have these uh extras on the shelves so 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 dc warned and said come on you know you, you gotta have this you gotta do this you gotta you gotta go all in and uh and so the uh you know the, the batman fortnite blew out went for big bucks Drove a lot of traffic, sold for some retailers thousands of copies. For some, you know, their number one DC book in months. And look, what are we talking about is we're talking about a pack of cards. Now I go back, who are you talking to? You're talking to the guy who did X-Force. There was a pack of cards in every X-Force. There was five cards, collect them all. It resulted in five million copies. After me, there was the interconnected covers of Jim Lee. It resulted in eight million. And then Marvel didn't sell a million copies again. So was it the gimmick or was it what the gimmick was attached to? You know, where can you say that an audience base was being built here? In upcoming issues, Batman is going to battle Snake Eyes and have different crossovers and their great licensing opportunities and great um, great kind of, you know, firsts among all this. But but it, at the end of the day, one retailer said, look, I'm not, I'm not selling to readers right now. I'm selling purely to a collectible crowd. And to deny that would be very foolish. I mean, you, you, you kind of have to acknowledge what's right in front of you. And what's right in front of you is that the base that is coming in for this has not normally been into a comic store. Now, will they be back? That is going to vary on little Billy or Bobby's interest in the comic book that they tore open to get the code out of. Did they engage in it? Did they like it? Um, will mom and dad be able to get them back to the comic store? Maybe Batman Fortnite is the beginning of something new. Maybe it's just a pack of cards. Uh, you know, X-Force number two sold 1.2 million, 1.3 million copies. And so we knew that we had something. And this is going to pivot later. In season two, we are going to do an entire discussion of what happened to the artist writer. What happened to the Frank Miller, the Walt Simons, and the John Byrne, the Todd McFarlane, the Jim Lee, the Rob Liefeld, the Eric Larson... Guys who decided I want to dictate my own. that Because part of what happened with this blow up in the early 90s is this explosion of creator interest it, created by the, by the creators. New Mutants 100, 1 million sales back to press three times on a double-sized comic that had no gimmick. So, so, so it was creators. And then when you married something with that creator, you got these unbelievable numbers. I'm not presenting a formula for anything. I don't know that outside of this game codes, this can be duplicated. That is a very unique licensing agreement. Marvel did an entire month's worth of Fortnite tie-in covers where, you know, the Fortnite characters were on the covers of these books. And they did that in order to, you know, promote Fortnite, but there was no game code. So the result was not the same. You've got Thor, Spider-Man, these different comics where they're on the island with the Fortnite characters on these exclusive variant covers. But that did not drive like putting a game code that unlocks a skin in a bag. And so again, when I say that season two, my season two is a, a reboot of sorts, a relaunch, and, and it should have, you know, a poly bag, shrink wrapped, glow in the dark, die cut, 
silver foil, you know, uh, 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 variant on it with with a, with maybe a game code. That's what I'm talking about. We're, we we are rebooting the observations and and uh, and 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 think of it as as the shiny new variant with game code coming at you even better and fresher than before. And maybe just maybe this content will keep you guys around. Um, you know, the other thing that was driving the market was all these first appearances in, 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 in uh, the Batman proper comic, which I think, you know, Jorge Jimenez is the single best comic book artist working in the business. DC has him. He's prolific. He's dynamic. He looks like he looked at a lot of image comics. His pages are ridiculously interesting. They have tons of designs and, and big shots on them. And there's some manga woven in in there. I, I mean, it's very exciting, but that book was also being driven by a lot of first appearances. And again, I know a thing or two about first appearances, Deadpool, Cable, Domino, Shatterstar, all of it, you know, and, and Punchline and these different characters, Ghost Killer, the, the people were chasing these down. And my retailer said, well, that has slowed down. It's almost, there's been too many new characters. And what happens is those characters have to take on another life. They have to become action figures, video games, movies. I, again, when Deadpool arrived, he became he was on your shelf a year later on Walmart at Target. He was in video games. He was in trading card packets that you were buying all over the country. You could go into a drugstore in New Mexico and get a Marvel trading card pack and there would be X-Force and Deadpool cards. Again, there was multiple X-Force and Deadpool and Cable toys on in every toy store for five years. Um, going through the 90s as, as, as you know, uh, uh, X-Force Series 2, X-Force Series 3, all these different you know, series came out. So, so once the new appearances come, the fan base expectations is that they will go on and kind of qualify and separate themselves. And maybe one new uh, character appearance will become more important than another just by virtue of an action figure, just by virtue of a video game appearance, a cartoon appearance, a movie. So that's the age we're living in. That has all come together and just, you know, really tightened up in the last, you know, couple, couple of months this, this new level of variants. I mean, every comic is coming out with multiple variants. I myself have participated in the Deadpool 30th anniversary variants, but even on some of the independent comics that I've been asked to do um, covers on lately, there are 10, there are 12, there are more of these covers because that is the new kind of lay of the land and everyone's participating in it. Why wouldn't they look? You guys, I, I buy these things. I will buy a cool cover outside of a comic that I like, I will do it. I will double down. I will go all in. That is not something I am adverse to doing. So, uh, you know, it is the lay of the land. This is the new, this is the, the, the reboot, the, the, the all new, all repackaged observations season two. One of the things that you guys have asked me is to get some guests on and have some interviews. And I am very excited today that one of the most, the busiest, one of the most successful, one of the most dominant, uh, figures in the comic book industry is going to be joining us right here momentarily. I am about to bring you the the first ever Robservations interview with Toddy Mac. Big Toddy Mac is going to join us. Please prepare yourself for 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 what you do not even see that is coming. It's coming. It's coming momentarily. Take that deep breath. Get ready for this, and and we are going to share with you right now our interview with Toddy Mac. So today I have the great honor of delivering to you guys one of your most fervent, ardent requests 
uh, the, the, the creator that is in the most demand to that you guys have asked for me to bring on the show. And here he is today. I want to issue a huge welcome to the one and only Todd, the Todd father, McFarlane. Bud, good, good to be here. Observations is back, bud. I, I was getting the withdrawals from not listening to observations. I love it, Robbie. Good, good, good to good to, good to be here, bud. Good to be here, Todd. It's great to have you. I can't believe that you are on the show. Oh yeah, good, good, good to be here, bud. I mean, if if you're not given a observation, then then what? the hell am I doing with my life? I mean, it's not like I've got more bravura things to do. Right, bud? Right? Oh, Todd, you are one of a kind. So so tell us, what is going on in the world of Spawn? You've got so much... Oh, bud, I'm, 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 I'm doing all, all sorts of big things with Spawn. The, the, the fans, they love... They love Spawn. 30 years of Spawn. We're putting a cowboy hat on Spawn. We got a Viking hat. We got an 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 uh, 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 a knight a knight of the round table hat. We got a we got a witch hat. And 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 there's a nun. We're doing a Spawn nun. We got the habit, you know, Spawn from the habit of the the, the fans. I mean, they, they've spoken. Todd, that is amazing. That's, it's kind of like all those Funko Pop Deadpools, like, like, you know, all the different, like, there's, there's Barista Deadpool and, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there, there's Cook Deadpool and there's Cowboy Deadpool. Oh, but uh, this is all fresh. This is, this is fresh for Spawny. This, this is fresh. Uh, Where's the spawn, though? I mean, there, there, there's, there's something there. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I could, I could show everybody how I could draw that spawn and that Cintiq on, on, on the live feed and, and with my special. You know, how I come in, uh, like halfway through, almost at the end of the, uh, of the drawing, and do some touch-ups because, because you don't see like the, the, the photo that I scanned in and then I drew over and, and then I, I, I go in on the zoom and I give the, the little stippling. You, you, you love the, the love the, the kids love the noodling thing. Love the noodling. No, Todd, they do. That's one thing they they love. They love the noodling. Do you think that you'll ever go back and do more Spider-Man? Oh, I'm always getting asked to do Spider-Man. People love, and they love like how how what I created with the wedding and the spaghetti. What, Todd? You didn't create the spaghetti webs. Well, I I. I, I think I did create the spaghetti web. No, Todd, Steve Ditko did a form of it, and then Michael Golden really did it, and then Art Adams did I did it more. I, I, I feel like whoever does it more, like, like did it. And I, I did it more, a lot, a lot more. So, by doing more, I made my mark. But, Todd, that you even told me you were... Looking at those golden and art items, yeah, but but 
they only did it a, a, like a few times. And and like you and I talked, but if Art Adams had done monthly comics, I mean, there's there's no us. Like like Art Adams, like once a year. But like, I I gave it to him more, more. I did more. I I, I feel like I did the webs. I I did them more. So they're kind of like mine. That yeah. Okay, well that's interesting. So, so what else do you have coming up? Like, was was Spawn? Let's let's tell the everybody. Well, well, in, in addition to, to like the cowboy and the Viking and the nun and the witch and the barista and the chef, Spawn, we got big, big, big names, big names come like like Brett Booth, but Brett Booty, he still wants to be old Jimmy Lee, and I'm gonna let him go. Do your Jim. It's like. What would Jim have drawn Spawn like? You know, because he's kind of he's kind of like the Jim Lee guy, you know. And people kind of like. Well, I know they like Jim. They definitely like Jim. But Todd Brett, he's been around like twenty nine years. I mean, oh, but but Jim doesn't draw, and Brett does more. It's kind of like Brett. You know, again, it's it's, it's more. We're giving them more, more Spawn, more Jim Lee by Brett Booth. It's good. It's good. People will like it. And then I can make toys of the cowboy and the nun. Todd, that's crazy. I am so looking forward to this. Todd, thank you. Will you come back again? Oh, bud. Bud. I love the observations and, and, and living like the old days. And like when I would like say, you should do this and then you do it. And then I'd say like, why are you making characters? And like, and, 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 and uh, uh, apparently I'm, 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 I'm a big inspiration. For all Deadpool. Well, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man is the inspiration. Well, I, I did a lot. I did a lot of Spidey. I, I may have even done more. Todd, great having you on the show. Great hanging out with you. Everybody, big Todd McFarlane, giving you some, some new toys, some new comics. Check them out. We're going to have Todd on again real soon. <laughs> Thanks for coming by, Todd. You bud, bud, bud. It was a bravura. Of a good time. So I would just love to thank Todd McFarland, Toddy Mac, the Todd Father, Todd McFarland, for dropping by and 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 having that really special chat with us. I, I hope that he becomes a regular on the show, drops by, feels comfortable to drop all the dimes that he's dropping about um, you know, noodly webs and and uh and doing more. And all the different variations he's got going on with Spawn. Cowboy Spawn, Nun Spawn, Witch Spawn, Viking Spawn, um, you know, uh, what, uh, Barista Spawn. What, whatever there is going on, I, I, I wish him well. He's got a new Spawn Universe book coming out. We're all going to pick it up. We're all going to enjoy it. Uh, today, our big topic on the table. And the one that just could not be coming at a more timely, uh, uh, you know, place, uh, given everything that's going on in the culture, is the explosion of the martial arts in both, uh, really, the explosion in comic books that started in the 70s. And uh, (laughs) this show should be subtitled The 70s, Uh, you know, a 150-part dissertation by Rob Liefeld. But look, this is, again, where it started. And then, of course, you know, this last weekend, we had Mortal Kombat, Louis Tan, the new Warner Brothers reboot, super extra violent and martial artsy 
with karate and kung fu and jujitsu and all sorts of crazy CG effects. Um, at the same time, we got the trailer for Marvel's Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. And um, I mean, that's a, that's a big freaking deal. Uh, Master of Kung Fu Shang-Chi was born, born in 1974 and went on to become kind of the, uh, it spearheaded the comic book martial arts mo movement because not only would uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the book itself, Shang-Chi get his own book, that it would, it would spawn an entire line of Marvel Comics martial arts themed, you know, titles, which would, would include the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu magazine, which was everywhere on the newsstand when I was growing up because they expanded and decided, well, we should, you know, take Iron Fist Shang-Chi from their own books and put them in this magazine, which is at every market. And we'll get into this in a little while. It also had at least... Uh, a good 40%, sometimes 50% of its content was teaching you martial arts, kung fu, karate, instructional um, movements and, 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 and teachings and, and with photos and, you know, from different uh, teachings from different dojos, from different popular martial artists. I mean, this was a time, there's a reason, this is a time this exploded, there's a reason that everybody was kung fu fighting became a giant hit runaway song. I mean, it, it was it was symptomatic, you know, of the times. And uh, you you literally everywhere you looked at at one point, uh, you know, was uh, what you, you saw kung fu in the culture. And 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 look, like I said, if if I had the rights to kung fu fighting by Carl Douglas, I'd play it right now. It's very catchy. It 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 was a Huge song in once again 1974, but but let's backtrack. Why did this martial arts explosion happen? Well, it all begins and ends with one guy. His name is Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was on the poster was the poster in every boy's room my age, uh, nine, ten, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, through the teenage years. You guys know the one awesome um, poster shirt off, you know, clawed blood on on his chest, flexing in his pose. Um, that was probably the most popular image. Enter the Dragon, Game of Death, Bruce Lee's uh, films exploded into the culture, and 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 just uh, because of the authentic, uh, you know, uh, action and and martial arts that he put forward, no one had ever seen anything like it. He, you know, came to fame obviously through his role as Kato on the Green Hornet, became the most popular part of the Green Hornet, and uh, which was a TV show, which again, kids my age were watching on a black and white television. If, if you had a color television in 1974, your your name wasn't Liefeld. Um, we had two, one small and one not so small, but neither big by any stretch of the imagination um, or, or measurement of the stick, uh, TV sets. Uh, and 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 we watched everything on on those. I've told you often the race to get home to watch monster movies, to watch Planet of the Apes, to watch horror films like Dracula and Wolfman. There was also twice a year the you know they would call it you know Fist of Fury, Kung Fu Madness, Karate Week, whatever they marketed it. But you'd get a combination of um, Bruce Lee films played o over the course of the week. So kids like me, are, we're, we're drinking this up also on the weekends. They would um they would play these you know 
liberally from from the big boss, Fist of Fury, Way of the Dragon, all the way to to, to you know to uh, Enter the Dragon and Game of Death. Bruce Lee just he just ruled. He he absolutely ruled. And and you know obviously because he died so soon, um, uh, he became this iconoclast figure to everybody. I mean because it. However old he was when he died, which was 32, he looked even younger. He he had that youthful visage. He was um, one of the most fit, you know, pers- people you've 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 ever seen in your life. I mean, he was um, just uh, ripped beyond measure, uh, moved like no one else, uh, had charisma to spare, would always just carry the screen. And these movies became a huge deal. I mean, you've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, and and Chuck Norris making guest appearances alongside Bruce Lee, and he uh, he he commanded the stage and screen to to the point where kung, kung fu and karate training jumped in the United States of America. I mean, absolutely jumped. That is one hundred percent a part of his lasting legacy, and. Uh, the, the fact that all these dojos, you know, um, um, popped up. I mean, his impact on the culture, the the impact that Bruce Lee had on the culture, is it cannot be understated. I mean, a movie star in his time on par with the most, uh, you know, impactful movie stars of our age, whether it's Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. Uh, I mean, just you know, uh, when Will Smith was burning up anything, Will Smith at the late '90s, from Matrix to like. I am Legion. I mean, I am Legend. That period where Will could open anything just based by showing up, showing his his face, rocking it with his his charisma. Bruce Lee had all of that, and these legit badass uh, karate moves. So he's everywhere. These movies are now, you know, by 1975-76, they're living on television screens where young men like myself are again consuming Bruce Lee, all of his martial arts action, his charisma, um, his power. And I mean, look, I'm going to tell you, he is so, Bruce, Bruce Lee was so popular. Kids my age, matter of fact, I told my friend, I'm, I'm doing this episode on martial arts and incorporating Bruce Lee and how the impact on comic books. And he's, you're going to talk about Bruce Lai? You talk about Bruce Lai? And you're like, Liefeld, who's Bruce Lai? Look, they even started pronouncing Bruce Lai, Bruce Lee to fool you, but it's Bruce L-I. His, he had a different name. Um, I don't want to mispronounce it, but he his stage name following Bruce Lee's death became Bruce Lai. And he was even asked to finish uh, Game of Death. He declined the offer, which is the movie that was, you know, Bruce was producing at, at, during during the time of his of his untimely death. But uh he would go on to actually star as Bruce Lee um in different movies, portrayed him in a 1976 movie, Bruce Lee, the Man the Myth. Um, goodbye, Bruce Lee, his last game of death. He, uh, imitated Cato, you know, uh, alongside Green Hornet in Bruce Lee against the Superman. He became the tiger to Bruce Lee's dragon in Exit the Dragon, Enter the Tiger. Um, you know, look, he, 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 uh, he, he, he bought into being the, uh, whatever poor man's Bruce Lee. They had, especially, uh, when they were fighting, um, they had more than a passing uh, 
resemblance to each other. And also, it wasn't just him. There was another Bruce Lee with a Bruce L.E. Um, The whole thing is that Bruce Lee was such an impactful, powerful uh, uh, character, human, performer, uh, figure, that that Bruce exploitation, Bruce exploitation, like black exploitation, became a term. Bruce exploitation is an exploitation film subgenre emerging after the death of martial arts film Bruce Lee, where filmmakers from Hong Kong, Taiwan, and South Korea cast Bruce Lee lookalikes to continue this this juice, this 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 you know this uh, success that Bruce Lee had as a martial artist box office success. So, so Bruce exploitation, this is how big it was. This is how much it's impacting the culture. Now, again, Bruce Lee was, um, was supposed to be the star of a show called Kung Fu on, um, on, on, on CBS, if, if memory serves me correctly as a kid. And, uh, and the, 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 the original Kung Fu series was supposedly, um, you know, was, was supposed to be, uh, you know, was, was, was supposed to include Bruce Lee, but they ruled against him and ultimately cast David, uh, Carradine. If you, if you saw, uh, Kill Bill, David Carradine was the title character, Bill, in both movies. He is Bill, who the bride finally has her showdown with. Kung Fu aired in 1972, and it was a Western Kung Fu uh, show. It was very memorable with its um, opening, where it's it's can you you know snatch the pebble from my grasp is what his sensei says to him as a kid, and, and until you can, you must wander and become this you know that you must learn the ways. And uh, you know he's a Shaolin monk, and David Carradine. Uh, it ran for three seasons. It was supposed to be Bruce Lee, and. Uh, you know, it, uh, uh, it, it, it is according to his own memoir and that of his wife that that they believed that he was um, he would not sell this show as uh, you know he would not be as successful a lead in this uh, as as they imagined. So they went on to uh, you know pick David Carradine instead, which is interesting. This actually, this Kung Fu story I'm telling you goes directly influencing Shang-Chi and the Master of Kung Fu series. And, uh, you know, that th- they, uh, Bruce Lee had developed this concept, but CBS wouldn't pull the trigger with him in it. So David Carradine is a Shaolin monk wandering the Wild West. So it's a Western and a Kung Fu show. So you got a little Kung Fu, you got a lot of cowboys, a lot of bad people in the wild west and this went on and it was on in our house we would watch it when it aired and uh it was it was you know kind of during this entire era of six million dollar man bionic woman it kind of began this era and uh and again it was it was it was as as westerns were fading out kung fu the show was called kung fu with david carradine aired in 1972 and uh again was supposed to originally involve bruce lee the producers the network decided uh, there are some rumors that say that they didn't believe he was white enough to pull this off. Well, again, Bruce gets the last laugh because they turned down Kung Fu. He goes on and makes all these crazy great movies that that, that put him at the top of the game, you know. Um, and uh, and so it, 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 while it was a stumbling block, 
and and they definitely cover some of this. I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, um, I, I actually really enjoyed the biographic movie uh, um, that, that that came out. I believe it was 1993, called The Dragon, and um, it tells it's it, it's it, it's directed by Rob Cohen, who went on to make the Fast and the Furious movies put Fast and the Furious on the on the map. I think Rob Cohen is a, is a really talented director. He did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. It starred Jason Scott Lee, Lauren Hawley. It's a great movie. I saw it multiple times in the theater. Uh, when I went back to visit my wife before she graduated from Baylor in May of 1993, we drove out of the town. Waco was really small at the time, and we saw Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And I, I thought Jason Scott Lee did a great job. They cover some of this kung fu stuff. Uh, in there, I highly recommend it. I don't know how much of Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, is is real, but I know there are some actual factual stuff in there. But there's some kind of cool mystical elements in there too. But it's it's a great, uh, you know, uh, it covers Bruce's life really, really capably, really, really um, in a, in a very fun, impactful way. It honors his legacy. It really it really incorporates so much of what I'm I'm bringing up. But Kung Fu goes on without Bruce Lee. It goes on with David Carradine. And uh, David Carradine stars in this Kung Fu show. So what goes on is, during this time, so, so again, Kung Fu is getting good ratings. Three seasons is, is, a, is a big deal in, in the 70s. You know, that means you're, you're getting eyeballs, you're getting renewals. Uh, you got these karate, these Kung Fu movies coming out from Bruce Lee. Well, cut to New York, where a group of Marvel uh, freelancers are gathered. And... Um, in, in, in 1973, according to Steve Englehart, who is the writer of the original Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu comic book, he co-authored this with Jim Starlin of Thanos, you know, Drax, Infinity War fame, okay? Steve Englehart is recalling that in the spring of 1973, uh, it was actually ABC, not not CBS, is, is airing Kung Fu. And uh, they were watching them at a party. And uh, he says, a half dozen of us, this is Steve Englehart, are enjoying a party at my place Saturday night. And uh, they all broke out. They all said, hey, let's let's watch Kung Fu. And uh, Jim Starlin commented that he would really like to do a comic book that was like the David Carradine show. And uh, Jim and Steve Englehart, who was one of my favorite authors during this time, he wrote groundbreaking Doctor Strange, Avengers, uh, Batman with Marshall Rogers and Terry Austin. Steve is a multi-decorated author in the comic book field. Kind of a Chris Claremont before Chris Claremont. And uh, so he and Jim go to Roy Thomas, Marvel's editor-in-chief. They propose a Kung Fu series along the lines of what they discussed after they were watching this in the spring of 1973 at, um, at Steve Englehart's house. Roy does not, he, he's not excited about it. He says he's not impressed. Martial arts aren't his thing. Uh, but he loved his creator's enthusiasm. He liked the enthusiasm that Englehart and Starlin were putting forth towards this project. So he said, look, how about you incorporate a story with Fu Manchu, F-U-M-A-N-C-H-U, Fu Manchu, a traditional Asian character as a sales draw. Steve Englehart goes on to say that Fu Manchu is like a supervillain supervillain. He says, I don't think of him as a Chinese supervillain, according to Steve Englehart here. He believes he is on par with the Doctor Doom, you know, and the Magnetos, one of the great all-time villains. 
And so he says, he's just a great supervillain, period. And uh, he says, it is a fact, though, that Fu Manchu comes from a time where views on racial prejudice were not anywhere near where they are today. Um, Fu Manchu was referred to as the Yellow Peril Incarnate, singular, all-powerful, and most definitely Chinese. This is, again, I'm reading directly from Steve Englehart's foreword in Master of Kung Fu. He says that Sachs Romer's Fu Manchu novels were very well written in an evocative series um, that occurred well before World War I. He, uh, he says no matter how much Fu Manchu proclaims his Manchu Chinese heritage and how diabolically he pursues it, um, focusing on the diabolical, not the Chinese, your mileage may vary, he says here. He had read all the Fu Manchu books. Steve Englehart was um, a scholar of these Fu Manchu books. He loved pulp. He said, I totally could write Fu Manchu if he absolutely had to be in the book per Roy Thomas, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, the EIC's direction. Jim Starlin and he started to work it out, but they didn't think that they needed Fu Manchu in it. Um, they reworked a version that didn't have Fu Manchu but ultimately, um, you know, the Marvel's editorial said, no, this is what we discussed. This is what we want. We want you to censor, uh, center this around him. Now, I can tell you, for, and if you are a fan of these books, you know Fu Manchu became the biggest, baddest villain over the course of this period. When I bought these books, and I bought Master of Kung Fu religiously, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, Fu Manchu was terrifying, a great, powerful with his, with his connections all over the world, world, running a global empire of evil that, that, that Shang-Chi was sworn to take down. Um, you know, so, so the second note that Marvel gave them was that Shang, that the, the, the lead character had to be half white. This is 1973. This is Marvel comics. I am only reading you history as it occurred. I am not making history. I am not condoning history. I'm reading history as it occurred. So he said, ironically, this is the same modification that was made to the TV show Kung Fu, where Bruce Lee's Kung Fu TV pitch had been turned down, but execs greenlighted a show very similar with David Carradine as the lead instead. What can I tell you? Uh, was was there racism swinging through the 1970s? Of course there was, Steve Englehart says. So this was in no way indicative of Roy's predilections. It was editorial experience and what they believed would work for the mass market. Jim Starlin, Steve Englehart get busy. As young creators living in New York for the first time, they drew from everything around us, including one night when a bunch of them went to a movie in Times Square at 11 p.m. and decided to walk to Lower Manhattan. We prowled the old warehouse district below Greenwich Village. We saw a workman bending over a torch that threw his shadow four stories high in the building around him. We saw a large construction pit with machines looming against the night where Jim began to choreograph what would be a fight that appeared in the comic book. We saw the AT&T Long Lines building, uh, a massive featureless slab built to withstand a bomb as to, as to so the underwater telephone cables to Europe would survive a war. And we saw the sun come up from the southern tip of the island by, the by that time which Jim and I had choreographed the first issue of Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, in their heads. The name Shang-Chi comes from J Steve Englehart flipping through the copy of I Ching. Now, some guys at Extreme Studios had this book and all of its teachings, I Ching. And he put together the name Shang, Rising and Advancing, and Chi, the Spirit. Jim Starlin had drawn an incredible piece of art representative of Shang-Chi at that time. It was time to go to work. 
Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, first appeared in Marvel Special Edition number 15. When people ask Steve Englehart, out of all your stories, which was your favorite? I tell them I liked almost everything I did because why would I do stuff I didn't like? But if I had to pick a top five, this issue would be in there. It didn't matter at all that the story was in an extremely obscure title for Marvel. Special Marvel Edition was the book. And uh, it had been a Thor book, a Sergeant Fury reprint series. He was writing Doctor Strange at the time, steeped in Western magic. I just wanted to do a bi-monthly exploration of Eastern philosophy. I wanted to write a credible Fu Manchu story with his diabolical ways, and then I wanted to marry these two things into something more than the sum of its part. Philosophy met an insane gorilla. Shang-Chi's spirit began to rise, and I was so happy with the results that I even colored the issue myself. Special Marvel Edition 16, a pulp villain with a philosophical, a philosophical interior and more use of our night in Lower Manhattan. We were carving out our little space. Boom. Just like that, Kung Fu exploded, Steve Englehart writes. The TV show caught on, and so had we. And almost literally overnight, Kung Fu and Karate was everywhere. Editorial Wisdom said to change our title to the Master of Kung Fu. Editorial Wisdom said, let's do more like this. So Roy Thomas and Gil Kane immediately created Danny Rand Iron Fist. And Jim and I were asked to do even more Shang-Chi stories for a brand new black and white magazine called The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Stories which you'll see in their own omnibus collections. While continuing to the color of the comic, I said, okay, I'm continuing on. Jim Starlin chose not to. Master of Kung Fu 17. In fact, Jim decided to bail out of the series altogether. He drew this one last issue and was gone. He did throw me, uh, himself, and Al Milgram into a splash page. Um, Here's where a phenomenon I've pointed out in other collected editions begins. After the bean counters demanded a page count reduction, editorial had two pages drawn on a single board of art, blown up to print size. You'll have no trouble finding them in the book. Um, Paul Galassi enters Master of Kung Fu number 18. One benefit of still being a new writer was I was always often assigned new artists, and who could argue with the talent that Paul Galassi brought along? Master of Kung Fu 19. Kaboom! Kung Fu... Kung Fu as a worldwide sensation. The color comic and black and white magazine became monthly. They ordered up giant-sized quarterlies and black and white specials. Though gratified at this confirmation of Jim Starlin and my instincts, this was not at all what either of us had envisioned, so I followed him over the side. This story, therefore, brings my run to a definitive end. When the homage to Kwai Chang Ching given a mustache by editorial, asked Shang if he would contend against Fu Manchu. The philosophical but unspoken answer is no. Now, obviously, I would not end this mass market phenomenon for realsies. So number 20 introduces a new writer, and that would be Doug Mensch. And those two, Doug Mensch and Paul Galassi, uh, took the, the, the series to brand new heights. And he did. And they did. And, and I'm telling you, Doug Mensch and Paul Galassi, what happens is this book becomes uh, much more than a karate fighting book. It becomes a James Bond uh, spy kind of spy comic. I mean, it even has, uh, I mean, I, I got to tell you, it goes beyond uh, James Bond, but, it, but, but, but the short and the, and the end, the, the end all be all of it is, is that it was really not, it was, it was, it was more like a John, I think his name is Lacari, Lacare. Uh, uh, spy, spy novel with kick-ass, just amazing, amazing, kick-ass uh, 
martial arts action at every at, at every turn and, and Shang Chi's pursuit of Fu Manchu, um, you know, uh, uh, and their relationship is 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 stellar. This first issue with Jim Starlin, he literally Kung Fu uh, Shang Chi literally has a three page battle with a an ape um, that, that is and the ape, you know, Shang Chi sets him on fire. It, it is it is like. One level of danger after another after another. I am certain I, I got my copy uh, graded and slabbed five years ago in the anticipation that this was going to go forward. Um, I, I know that this uh, special Marvel edition number 15 is going to continue to accumulate. It is also one hell of a great comic book. It's got everything. It's got action. It's got adventure. Again, uh, issue 16 introduces the man menace called Midnight. I love these comics. They are fantastic. They are um, they are extremely well drawn. The, 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 the legacy of the Shang-Chi comic book itself is of great artists. Jim Starlin, Paul Galassi, Mike Zek, Gene Day. All of them top flight illustrators. All of them top flight storytellers. Super detailed artwork. I know people who jumped off after Paul Galassi. Um, Doug Mensch stayed on. And, and Mike Zek, who was a newcomer at the time, jumps in. And to me, doesn't miss a beat. I actually prefer the Zek stuff. I think it it's um it's more free-flowing. The, the thing with Galassi is he's very much drawing from life and life drawing. And that is very... The, 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 the bar for that is very high. The difficulty is very high. Um, sometimes I think it tends to stiffen up the work. But uh, uh, Zek, I felt, took the best of Galassi. And the movement and the action is even better and flows even better. And the stories got even better. And Shang-Chi has his own amazing array of, of, of supervillains himself, whether it's Razor Fist, um, obviously the aforementioned, uh, you know, the, the, the aforementioned Fu Manchu. You've got, you've got Tiger Claw. I mean, he literally has just an amazing set of villains. Shortly, I mean, we are talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight appearances in. And this is the comic that is like almost sewn to my side um, for the remainder of 1975. Uh, they team Spider-Man and, uh, and, and, and they put Spider-Man and, and, and Shang-Chi in an annual together. And I flipped out giant size. Spider-Man and Master of Kung Fu. 68 big pages, brother. 68 big pages. And uh, on the cover, looks like Gil Kane, John Romita, Senior Inks, maybe Frank Giyoshia, Giyoshia, um has Kung Fu on the top of a rooftop, just karate kicking right into Spider-Man's chest. Blockbuster bonus. You know what I mean? Superpowers versus martial arts. The battle royale you demanded. Um, written by Len Wein, drawn by Ross Andrew, inked by Al Milgram. This uh, annual is is like sewn to my side. We did a lot of road trips. When I was a kid, uh, New Mexico, we had friends that moved to Albuquerque. Al Albuquerque. Yeah, could I have spit that out weird? Our friends had moved to Albuquerque and we were... Um, we would make a week of it. And we didn't fly a lot as a kid. I, I now can only assume that was because of the expense of it. But we would sign in for these road trips. We also went to the Grand Canyon, Arizona, um, different separate trips. But always, I'd stop at the drugstore, stop at the gas station. I'd be able to pick up comics along the way. Many times, my dad would drive me to the 7-Eleven to get comic books to start the journey so that I'd be in the back 
reading satiated with all these great comics because by then they had given themselves over to my obsession. This giant-sized Spider-Man Master of Kung Fu, I peeled this off a spinner rack during that new um, that New Mexico trip. And uh, the great thing back in the day, there were comic books that could be on the spinner rack for over a year. You could conceivably pull a 1973 comic off of a spinner rack in 1975, a 1974 off in 1976. They didn't patrol them in the ways that you think. I think uh, some, of, some, some of these guys, it was too much time and effort to box them up and or tear the covers off and put them in an envelope and send them back as returnable items. They just hung around and eventually they sold them to kids like me. This annual, seeing Spider-Man and Shang-Chi together was a thrill. It is one of my favorite standalone Marvel stories. They are fantastic in it. It is action-packed. Um, it is just completely reflective of what Steve Englehart writes, that Kung Fu blew up. It took off. Danny Rand Iron Fist uh, follows in the pages of Marvel Premiere before spinning off and getting his first book. It also features the first regular monthly work of, of John Byrne, who you've heard so many times on this podcast who absolutely explodes. He absolutely explodes. John Byrne does fantastic work. Iron Fist battles Captain America, The Wrecking Crew, along uh, Sabretooth. It is a phenomenal... Chris Claremont writes it. It is actually the first joining of the team that we would, you know, worship on the X-Men. They jam together, not only on Iron Fist, but also on Marvel Team Up, but I believe Iron Fist is the first time they come together um, as on a, on a series and do subsequent issues. But so you got a Master of Kung Fu, Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu, and this thing runs forever. It is a long-standing Marvel comic book um, that that runs, I mean, uh, it, it, like it's still going on when I'm in high school. I bought it in grade school, and it's going on when I get to high school because it just, the, the, the character of Shang-Chi is so rich and people are are so completely bought in, buy into it 100%. It literally runs from 1974 to 1983. I graduate high school in uh, summer of 1985. So it is going my junior year. My junior year. Um, th th this is still running. Almost a decade-long publication history for this this particular edition of, uh, of Shang-Chi and the Master of Kung Fu. Now, if you've seen the movie trailer, um, you know that, and from what I've heard, because Fu Manchu, the rights are weird. He's, again, owned... Um, his rights are owned uh, by another publisher, which is, it took years and years for Marvel to negotiate the rights to finally reprint um, Master of Kung Fu. And when they did, they did it in these glorious. I mean, I have four, consider four hardcover phone books. That's what these omnibuses represent. Then two more for the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu magazine omnibuses, because like Steve Englehart talked about, they, uh, they uh, put these... Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, which sometimes had a Shang-Chi story, sometimes had an Iron Fist story. And then you have Shang-Chi, you have Iron Fist. I want to wrap up with Fu Manchu. The mystery of Fu Manchu is its own. I mean, if you look and see the blood of Fu Manchu, the face of Fu Manchu, the fiendish plot of Fu Manchu, the mask of Fu Manchu, the brides of Fu Manchu, the castle of Fu Manchu, the vengeance of Fu Manchu. He is a literary character in his own right. Marvel clearly got the rights to him, sewed him into the Shang-Chi legacy that lasted the entire comic book um, run, which is action-packed, spies. I mean, the, Fu Manchu is like the greatest James Bond villain. He's got tendrils all over the world. His connections are worldwide. He has a global network and the British and the Americans, everyone is working alongside Shang-Chi to bring Fu Manchu down multiple times. He always rises from the ashes of defeat to roar back 
and pose another threat, and that is the the um, extension of the Masters of Kung Fu comic book series. And uh, I mean, this thing. Uh, I mean, it 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 goes to 125 issues uh, with giant size annual issues, all that stuff. Um, and Shang Chi is a regular. He appears in Marvel team up with Spider Man multiple times in great kick ass again big spy movie spectaculars. There's one where he's battling Hydra, Viper, Silver Samurai. It's a four-parter with Black Widow, Shang-Chi. Um, oh my gosh, it, Nick Fury. It is just an absolute blast. You should check it out. Uh, I believe, I'm not sure if that's Chris Claremont, but it is. It is one of my favorite Shang-Chi stories of all time is that Marvel Comics four-parter with Black Widow, Nick Fury, Shang-Chi, and I forget the fourth part, the fourth part of the saga, but it, 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 it starts out with Black Widow has lost her, um, it's very born identity. She's lost her identity. She doesn't know who she is. And then she's dra drawn into this giant plot. She enters the picture. Oh my gosh, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, he, he was an extremely popular character that ran obviously very hot for a very long time. And um, and, and both he and Iron Fist are, are really storied characters in, in the halls of Marvel's superstar characters. Shang-Chi was a fan favorite, period, full stop, end of story. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu introduces with the first work by George Perez, some for early work by Marshall Rogers. Again, Byrne, Perez, Marshall Rogers. You're learning right here. They all got their start with martial arts comic book strips. In the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, George Perez is the artist on a series called Sons of the Tiger. And Sons of the Tiger was, again, a new extension. Marvel is going to the well on this Kung Fu stuff time and again. Um... And, and, and they are absolutely exploiting uh, the success of their com their Kung Fu Karate series appeal. So uh, the the Sons of Tiger is 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 a group of, of guys, a white guy, an Asian guy, and a black guy that um, that that that, uh, that come together. Bob Diamond, uh, Lin's son, Abe Brown. And they have an amulet that is split into three pieces. But each of the pieces grants them these powers, these super kind of uh, kung fu powers. And and so the amulets of power each wear a piece of the, you know, one's the tiger head, one's a claw, one's the other claw. And together they act um, uh, most effectively as the sons of tiger. Um, they have a very tumultuous relationship. They have a dojo. They train. Bob um, Diamond is trying to be an actor. Abe Brown is an African-America member of the Mean Streets of Harlem. And Lin Sun is the Chinese leader of the trio, an adopted son of Master Key. And the action and adventure in these books is phenomenal. George really, uh, looking at the work Starlin was doing, Galacy was doing, tried to do really inventive and did. Did, not just try, did really great um, martial arts um, battle sequences, but I really, you know, liked all these characters together. Once again, where, where do they appear? They appear alongside Spider-Man and Marvel team up in this kick-ass story where um, uh, Marvel team up 40, where they, you know, go against these classic uh, um, uh, Spider-Man villains. Uh, I, I forget the name of them right now, but they're these classic Spider-Man henchmen. And together... Excuse me. Sorry. <coughs> oh boy, that's a first. Okay. And together, they, um, again, sorry, first sneeze, season two. Welcome. Uh, 
These three characters have a bunch of different adventures that run through the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu uh, special. And they also make an appearance in the Savage Fists of Kung Fu Treasury Edition. But here's the deal. Shortly after, you know, multiple storylines, they break up. They decide they don't get along. They're done with wearing these amulets. And they throw them into the trash. And from there... They are picked up immediately the next issue. We are introduced to a brand new character who wears all three amulets at once. And he is Hector Ayala, the White Tiger. He becomes the White Tiger. He is the successor to the Sons of Tiger. Now, he has a cool all-white costume with some cool stitching. And he's kind of got like a, you know, a, 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 they wore like, like stylized geese yellow and blue stylized geese. They didn't really have superhero costumes. White Tiger is a flat out superhero costume. So I'm buying this. I'm buying Deadly Hands Kung Fu. As much as I love the Sons of Tiger, they just teamed up with Spider-Man. Marvel editorial obviously decided that White Tiger would be a more appropriate pivot. Now you've got a Hispanic martial artist, which I think covers, you know, even more representation. I mean, again, let's get back to the one word. During this time, I, I did an entire podcast on the, uh, I did an entire podcast on on diversity in comics and covered all of the awesome black superheroes, Black Lightning, Black Goliath, Luke Cage, Power Man, that inspired me as a kid. But here, representation was so strong across the board, especially here at Marvel. Hispanic martial artists, black martial artists, obviously Chinese, Japanese. You had a Caucasian Bob, um, Bob Diamond. Um, but, 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 But White Tiger takes back, never looks back once again, appears in the pages, not of Marvel Team-Up, but of Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. He he pivots, and it's like everybody went through this Spider-Man lens. It almost um, validated their popularity and, and expanded their appeal, but I quite loved uh, the White Tiger, whose creators are listed as Bill Mantlo, Yvette Perez, and George Perez. First appearance, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, number 19. And again, so now White Tiger, who has gone on to trade identities and become, I think, a female character in the modern age. But Hector Ayala is uh, is a badass, um, you know, combination of the Sons of Tiger, who I love so much, who got a lot of play. I mean, they were in multiple issues, multiple backstories. But Black Tiger, I mean, White Tiger takes the title and starts battling Marvel supervillains, the Prowler, Spider-Man's Prowler vil- villain. I mean, he really becomes, um, you know... Uh, again, a really cool uh, superhero all on his own, starts making appearances, appears in issues of the Defenders. I mean, he definitely makes his rounds, becomes a definite, uh, you know, very popular Hispanic figure superhero in the Marvel Universe, all because of this crazy martial arts craze. But you know that this is not enough because over at DC Comics, they are not going to take this lying down. They also are going to jump right into this karate martial arts craze and they do so by taking one of their uh one of their most popular legionnaires um the legion of superheroes who who you've heard me refer to several times um had a great character among them in their lineup named uh the karate kid and uh the karate kid who also had a i mean his real name is val armor val armor okay um he is one of the members of the Legion of Superheroes. He first appeared in 1966 in Adventure Comics when they were featuring the Legion of Superheroes. 
and he goes along. He uh, he he go, fights alongside them. He is a master of every possible martial arts in the 31st century. He is in peak human physical condition and can sense the weakness, weakest spot in any objects. He is also able to resist mind control. Well, in in uh, of course, in 1976, hot on the heels of all of this Iron Fist, Shang-Chi, martial arts craze, DC gives him his own series. And uh, he's actually uh, trapped in the 20th, 20th century, so he gets to fight all sorts of 20th century bad guys. Major disaster, he meets Superboy, he meets Robin, um, the Lord of Time. Um, he gets back to the Legion in the 30th century just in time to assist with a giant battle they're having called Earth War. But I'm going to tell you, Val Armor is a badass design. He has the high cowl, he's gold and white, uh, black shirt, uh, his gi, he's got this heightened collar, gold trim on the sleeves, um, cool boots. He is one of my absolute favorite visuals. But he runs 15 issues. So they get a year and a half out of Karate Kid. Prior to the movie Karate Kid, at the end of the original Karate Kid movie with Ralph Macchio, that they even acknowledge that Karate Kid is a name based in DC Comics because DC Comics isn't giving up that name, okay? That's why you're getting a Cobra Kai series as, as, as opposed to a Karate Kid series. DC hung on to this, and it's it's ironic because kids, to me, when I heard an announcement for a Karate Kid movie in the 80s, I'm like, are they making a Legion guy into a movie? Of course not. But but in this series, for 15 issues, I picked up every single issue. Bob Rosaskis, Rick Estrada, Juan Ortiz, all these guys did um, great work on the on the book and the covers by Buckler. Most of the time were nothing short of fantastic. They did great splashy images, splashy covers. So Karate Kid got his own book during this martial arts craze um, that, that was burning up in the 70s. Again, DC is not going to take this uh, lion down. And of course, he's not the only one. We have... Um, I, I, I would be remiss to not bring up 1974 debut of Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Master, okay? Again, like I said, DC's not taking this. They, they publish comics too. They're going to respond. Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. Kung Fu Fighter is is the uh, is the is the special in the series that that he gets and uh, and 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 he is, Focused on, they, they come back to him again in the 2000s. And, uh, you know, um, but, 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 but he uh, is launched in his, in his own series, Richard Dragon. And uh, he's a thief who is trained in martial arts. He comes across Batman, the Bronze Tiger, Black Canary, Lady Shiva. Um, again, he is, uh, he is brought back uh, in, in, in the DC New 52 and, and and is given his own showcase prior to that um, in, in, a, in a 2000 uh, uh, 2004 2005 comic book series he's also made um, several several uh, appearances in uh, the the Green Arrow book um, another great great visual uh, great uh, visual character that DC uh, attempted to to get off the ground but did not meet with the same success that uh that uh that Shang Chi and Iron Fist did, but not without trying. Um they launched him in 1977. So again you've got, you know, he first appears in the comics in Dragon's Fists, 1974, uh created by um creating created by by uh Denny O'Neill. 
and Jim Barry. And then, of course, Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter, lasts for 18 issues. So he outlasts Karate Kid, the Legionnaire, who was given his own solo um, adventures where he's running across the 20th century, not the 30th century, doing his doing his um doing his deeds. But the Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter, uh, I bought them all. They were um always had great covers. They had uh, pretty pretty great interiors. If you were into Kung Fu, you were buying all these books. And so again, the uh, I love the covers. Dick Giordano, who had really done the first appearance of the Sons of Tiger, immediately pivots over at DC and starts doing all the Richard Dragon Kung Fu fighter comics. And again, this this launches in the middle of the bicentennial and lands and lasts through um, 1977. But they are they are they are on top of this man. They are they are not going to just cede the uh, the space to Marvel. And 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 so so again, just you know, you you can see the. Uh, Pardon me, it's 1975. They are a year behind Shang-Chi. So it's 75. He goes 18 issues. Karate Kid goes, what did I say, 15 issues. Um, I bought all these books. This is, um, you know, just look what I've given you. There's Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. There's Iron Fist. There's Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. There's Sons of Tiger. There's there's White Tiger. There's Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. And there is the Karate Kid. You were not hurting for... Um, for 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 a kung fu comic book and and if i'm not mistaken during this time uh charlton did judo master uh which was a a uh a a charlton character um that 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 that, that appeared and uh, you know he, he he kind of made a bit of a reappearance in the Kung Fu phase, because why not? Why not focus all of these characters, Judo Master, Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter, Karate Kid, Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu, Sons of Tiger, White Tiger, Iron Fist. Then you got a spin-out, a spin-off out of of Iron Fist was Daughters of the Dragon, okay? And and, uh, with Colleen Wing and and Misty Knight, and they were like the gun-toting detective and the samurai... um, kick-ass girl with her with her sword. I mean, Marvel and DC took these to the bank. And now it feels like we are on the precipice of another uh, huge martial arts explosion. You've got uh, Robert Kirkman is almost given us a year's worth of firepower. This huge martial arts epic that he is um, kind of martial arts with some fantasy in it. It deals with kind of what what is a classic trope in, in The Chosen, The One, and then takes it on its own uh, development much the same way Stan and Steve and John Romita did with Spider-Man and what Robert and his uh, co-partners Corey and uh, and Ryan did on Invincible. Uh, you know, the, the, the Robert really understands and loves to give you the young hero, the young, the 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 the, the new uh, interaction with a the, this this giant power, and that's what he does best. And, and firepower is more the same. It's got all sorts of Eastern mythology. It's got dragons. It's got a sensei. Um, so much of what was going on with the martial arts also, as I've told you, seeped into Daredevil with Frank Miller. Frank Miller adopted all of this. The hand, Kerrigan, uh, Elektra, a stick was introduced. The, 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 the guy who trained Daredevil, portrayed by Scott Glenn in the Netflix series, so Amazingly, his debut was in the pages of Daredevil with Frank Miller. And again, this all set, the Daredevil stuff set everybody on its ass because nobody saw the martial arts 
just permeating Daredevil in the way that it did and pivoting and changing him forever. Every, again, Daredevil that you're seeing is from, in, in wider media, is coming, they're, they're mining Frank stuff again and again and again. So again, martial arts, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu coming out, Kevin Feige, 1970 sensation. Okay, 74 to 83. I mean, 125 issues plus spinoffs, Deadly Hand of Kung Fu. We're going to see this um, on the big screen without Fu Manchu, it looks like, but with the all new, the, 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 the different rings. Maybe it's the Mandarin, okay? The 10 rings Mandarin. We've been hearing about this since Iron Man number one. So I have no doubt they're going to sew this together and, and make this the best possible uh, Marvel epic. I think it's probably going to be better than anything they've given us in a long time. It just, the, the lore is there, the base material is there. We talk about it all the time. The comic book material is there to mine. Feige knows what he's doing. I think this is going to be a huge hit. It's going to reset. You've got Mortal, Mortal Kombat that topped the box office. Okay. We've got a brand new resurgence of Mortal Kombat. So, uh, and, and they're all being, they're all, they all look great. They're being successful. They're going to be successful. And it just takes me back again to where did this all come? It came from my childhood. This is where this stuff, the roots of this is. Bruce Lee kicks it all off. And then the Bruce Ploitation, the, the next gen guys that are that are cashing in on, on what Bruce left behind with some success, mind you. And again, then Chuck Norris. I went and saw Chuck Norris films in the late 70s, early 80s because he took that exposure in the Bruce Lee film and, 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 and went on to become his own, you know, uh, super duper uh, martial art martial arts master and again you've got you know into the 90s you had Steven Seagal you had Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme and so you know we haven't seen anything like this in, a, in almost 20 years this this research it's not since Jet Li kind of just kind of phased out um, and, 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 and of course uh, Jackie Chan uh, blew up in the States, after all those films overseas, he blew up, you know, in the Rush Hour films. So, but it seems like it's been a while. It seems like we're about to really get back into it. But this is where there was so much of it. More than the movies, the comic books. They came at it from every angle. Richard Dragon, Shang-Chi, Danny Rand, The Sons of the Tiger, White Tiger. Again, all of this stuff. It's great. It's my childhood. I love it. I dig it. I can't wait to see it all explode on screen. I saw that Hasbro released the toys. I mean, they are absolutely coming for us. All of these concepts, all of these new martial arts themed uh, characters and adventures. And it started right when I was a wee little kid. It was a thrill to see David Carradine portray Bill and become this martial arts uh, kind of diabolical villain himself under Quentin Tarantino, who absolutely was was gnawing on all of this stuff, was chewing and chomping on all the martial arts, the grindhouse stuff that we grew up with. And so now here we are, it's exploding. There seems to be a new age of it. Marvel's putting out new comics of Shang-Chi. Um, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're continuing to to expand. And, and I, I saw that he's going to fight Wolverine and I saw he's going to fight Spider-Man in it. It takes me back to that annual and that new, new Mexico road trip to Albuquerque and that, that Spider-Man master of Kung Fu Shang-Chi adventure by Len Wein and Ross Andrew that I just could never separate myself. It became part of me. I carried it with me everywhere. I loved it. So firepower, Mortal Kombat, all of these, uh, brand new uh, martial arts adventures characters are rearing um, their heads for us to consume. They are on par with the greats. I'm speaking definitely about Firepower, which is a fantastic comic. You guys got to check that out. That is, um, and obviously that, that from the toys that have come out with martial arts, uh, Master of Kung Fu, sorry. And and, and of course the, the, the movie that is on its way this year. I mean, we just are, are living, we're going to be reliving a golden age that belongs all of its roots, all of its tethers, 
are in the 70s. And again, I love walking you through that and showing you where this all blew up, reading Steve Englehart's intro, telling you that you know he and Jim Starlin came up with this from, from watching an episode of Kung Fu, okay, with David Carradine, and then Roy Thomas pivoting them to the Fu Manchu. That's great. That's rich. And, uh, and if you heard it here first, great. I got a million of these. I can't wait to share them with you. You guys, it's so fun to be back. Um, I am so glad that we were able to sneak in that awesome interview with, with Toddy Mac and, and listen to some of the gems and some of the stuff that he had to share. That's great. I, I hope you come back and visit us again real soon, Todd. Maybe some other surprise gets, guests are in the shows to come. Uh, you have been a great uh, audience carrying me throughout this. The one thing about having some downtime, three weeks off to kind of reset and, and get, get a new season for, formulated was I got to go back and, and promote the old shows and, and, and the old catalog and get it out there. And so many of you have, have expressed to me that you're sharing this and, and you're experiencing it. And, and, and uh, look, please recommend to friends, get them, get them listening. I'm going to, this season two has some great stuff. Look at all the time we spent building out the martial arts. Go check out these omnibuses. They may be hard to get. Maybe they're trading some of these. Maybe there's some essential trades, some some epic collections that Marvel is doing of the Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu stuff, the Iron Fist stuff. It's all been reprinted in the last five years. I'm sure it's out there for you. Um, I'm not sure about the Richard Dragon stuff and, and the Karate Kid stuff being as available. Those are back issues. Go support your local retailer. Buy them. Buy them from your comic store. Order them online. Um, maybe if they're on Comixology, interact with them on that level. They're all out there. They're able, uh, they're, they're there for you to access. Uh, to access. And, and I hope that I am pointing you in directions that will entertain you and expand um, the, the, the viewpoint um, that, that you have. My last thing that I want to touch on is, is some stuff in social media, which again, there's etiquette. There's etiquette. Um, in social media, the way I've always viewed it, I view my Facebook pages. I view my Facebook page. My fan pages, whatever, just the way I used to have the Rob Liefeld message boards. I view that as my living room. If you want to come and sit on the couch and hang out with me, we're going to have some etiquette. I'm not going to, you know, be aggressive towards you. You're not supposed to be aggressive towards me. When people have aggression towards me, I have two choices on in social media. I can mute them or I can block them. For the last three years, I've just done muting so you don't know that I don't know that you I can't hear you, Okay. But some people are egregious and they're obnoxious and I reserve the right to block and block on all platforms. And if I did the same, I assume that people would do that to me or maybe they just don't like the sound of my voice and they've already done it to me. Either way, the blocking instrument is there when the etiquette is not there. I feel like if it's not polite, this, that my, my fan pages, my online presence exists to be friendly just like this podcast is friendly. I want to be friendly. I want to look at the best of things, share the best of things. And when the best of things aren't being shared, it's my opportunity to opt out, opting out either through a mute or a block. Both are severe. One is more frowned upon than the other. I, I guess there's a subset of people that take blocking as some sort of power flex that they've been blocked. I wouldn't. A block is a complete, um, you know, you are shut out. It's a great tool. It's a great tool if you have to utilize it. So again, etiquette. If I am speaking to you, and I am rude, I'm, if I am aggressive, if I am obnoxious, I expect that you couldn't get rid of me via muting or blocking. I do the same. I do do that. I will continue to do that. I just want a peaceful existence online. So that that is a little insight into how I view the etiquette. I view it's like my living room. I'm hanging out. We're hanging out in a mutual space. If I go into your page, I'm in your living room. How would you act in someone's living room? How Would you put your feet up on the couch? Would you would you spill soda on, on, on their carpet? I mean, maybe you would, but but not. I would show you the door and we wouldn't interact again. And that's kind of how I view online etiquette. So there's uh, one to grow on. 
per the old NBC Saturday morning, uh, you know, little, little info commercials. So guys, thank you for hanging out with me. Thanks for um, continuing to walk this interconnected journey, pop culture comics. I dig it. I dig it the most. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for Todd for the great interview. Love it. Um, I'm going to be back for more. I hope you're back along with me. You know the drill. You are going to stay safe and you're going to take care of yourself. And we will talk again real soon. Thank <laughs> you.